moody. I'm savage. Classy, bougie, ratchet. Sassy, moody, nasty. Megan the Stallion was not on trial, and yet we saw culturally she was. This bitch live by getting shots, but she's still a stallion. She don't even get the joke, but she's still smiling. Hey, whatever it is, are you scared? I just stood here and witnessed the worst miscarriage of justice yes. that this world has ever seen. As an OG in Houston, I'm standing up. Tory Lanez is some whole ass Period. She was the victim. She got shot. Her only role in this was as the victim. An aggravating third day of testimony for prosecutors trying the case in the shooting of rapper Megan Thee Stallion. The performer Tory Lanez is accused of shooting her after a night out. Jury deliberations now underway after hearing closing arguments. Just a few seconds ago, that jury came out with a verdict. And they say Tory Lanez is guilty for shooting Meg Thee Stallion. A lot of his supporters are out here right now, and they're not happy. They're taking him in handcuffs, and the family's losing their mind. I just stood here in this Los Angeles County and witnessed the worst miscarriage of justice yes. that this world has yes. ever seen. Canadian rapper Tory Lanez was charged with shooting one of the biggest music artists of our time. Rapper Megan Thee Stallion, behind hits like Body. How you feeling today, Megan? But to a lot of people, including some YouTubers, it seemed like Megan, or Megan Pete, was the one on trial. Meg, if you're lying, your career's over. What we do know for a fact, though, that Megan Thee Stallion not been telling the truth. Megan Thee Stallion was not on trial, and yet we saw culturally she was. She is not alleged to have shot anyone. She got shot. Her only role in this was as the victim. This case grew to something much bigger than Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion, becoming a symbol of how our society treats women, particularly black women and abuse survivors. You know, as a black woman, we're often the targets of violence. And when we speak up about things, people don't believe us. Raising the question, if a massively popular three-time Grammy Award winner is not believed, who is? There's a way that Megan was never seen as vulnerable. And some of this is due to her being a black woman. Some of this is due to her being this tall, um, voluptuous woman. Some of this is due to her persona as Meg the Stallion, Tina Snow, this very public and dynamic sexual appetite in her performance. And all of that combined to make her someone who was easily vilified and certainly not vulnerable. Back in April 2020, with the world in lockdown, rising rap star Megan Thee Stallion released this remix of her hit single, Savage, featuring fellow Houstonian Beyonce. So in 2020, Meg is on the precipice of superstardom. She had gone from this kind of underground, freestyling monster, right? She was amazing in these spaces, had released some singles. Going show to show. Thought I was on tour. Mama really raised the hustler. Ain't no option to be poor. But there was something that was happening. She was really right there. Hot 
And in the culture, the summer of 2020 belonged to Megan, the originator of the hot girl summer. Handle me? Who gonna handle me? She was at the top of the charts and the hottest guest list. In July, she was partying at Kylie Jenner's house with friends shown here on Instagram Live. Also at the party, rapper Tory Lanez, born Daystar Peterson, known for hits like Love. And say it. Lane's an established star in the rap world, and Megan had known each other for a while. But 2020 was the first time she looked like she might become a superstar. Megan, Tori, and Megan's friend at the time, Kelsey Harris, all reported that they left the party together. Lane's later texted Megan that he'd gotten too drunk. While they were in the car, an argument broke out. So I get out the car and it's like everything happens so fast. Here's what she told CVS's Gail King happened next. And all I hear is this man screaming as he said, dance, bitch. And he starts shooting. And I'm just like, oh, my God. If I take the wrong step, I don't know if he can shoot something that's, like, super important. I don't know if he could shoot me and kill me. Like, Were you afraid for your life at that I time? I was really scared because I had never been shot at before. Five shots rang out. This TMZ video shows the aftermath. Megan struggling to walk, leaving a trail of bloody footprints. When police arrived on the scene, Megan did not tell them that she'd been shot, saying instead that she stepped on glass. She was scared. It was the middle of the night. She had just gotten shot. It was friends of hers that were involved. She didn't tell the full you know, story immediately, but she did shortly thereafter. She explained her thinking later on an Instagram Live. The police was literally killing black people for no motherfucking reason. I didn't want to die. I don't want to, I don't want the police to shoot me because it's a with a gun in a car. This was all happening during the weeks of protest against police violence after the death of George Floyd. At that point, they have guns drawn on them. And Meg, in her own words, both then and in her testimony in the trial, is saying, I was trying to protect everyone on the scene that night. <laughs> Megan testified that police handcuffed her and took her to the hospital. <laughs> Blogger Neek at night shared this leaked footage, saying it showed Megan in the ambulance. The LAPD has declined to comment on this case. That initial police response makes all the difference to the survivor's experience. And we have had cases where police officers responded with great sensitivity. That didn't happen in the case of Megan the Stallion, and it doesn't happen in so many cases. An orthopedic resident who assisted in the operation testified that doctors pulled multiple bullet fragments from Megan's feet. Lanes and Harris were also taken into police custody. Tory Lanes becomes identified on social media as the alleged shooter. And almost immediately after that, fans of Tory Lanes and some other folks who I don't think who even knew who Tory Lanes were, but were certainly in the business of vilifying Megan the Stallion, began to push back on that narrative. What up, you two, Miami Oaks? Even though there was never any evidence that Megan physically attacked Lanes, 
YouTubers, like mediocre tutorials and reviews, started making false allegations. I started to think that Tori is 5'1", she, she is a large, well-built and stacked woman. Something happened and she started to beat him up and he took out a gun and shot. I think that's where my mind went without... This is just one example of the overwhelming number of false allegations that people online were making about Megan. There was kind of a swarm that happens in the months after these rumors start circulating prior to any criminal legal proceedings. Would it be accurate to say that the misinformation on social media touched millions? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, certainly. Tens of millions? I was going to say tens of millions. From what I've seen, the level, the level of vitriol directed at Megan, who was the victim of a crime, um, was really unprecedented. Megan tweeted back at the false statements and internet memes. It might be funny to y'all on the internet and just another messy topic for you to talk about, but this is my real life, and I'm real life hurt and traumatized. For weeks, that was all Megan said about the incident. I think she was attempting to stave off the backlash that would come if she came forward and identified a fellow rap industry peer as the person who harmed her. But in that August 2020 Instagram Live, she finally said that she had been shot and that Lanes was the one that did it. You shot me. You scared to come tell everybody that you fucking shot me and you got your whole fucking team on the internet lying. I think she was pushed into a corner and ultimately had to identify him to clear herself from being called all the names she was already being called. And sadly, but predictably, she was called those names anyway. Fans and bloggers would not stop posting theories and rumors about the case. And then came the music. In September, Lanes released the track Money Over Fallouts, in which he accused Megan of lying. Gotta see a couple questions. How the fuck you get shot in your foot? Don't hit no bones and tennis. How the fuck your team is trying to pay me at some whole minutes? I'm a Megan, meanwhile, performed on the SNL stage, referencing the failure to get justice for black women like Rihanna Taylor. We need to protect our black women and love our black women. She wrote in the New York Times about how hard it is for people like her to be heard and believed. Constantly having to prove she's a victim because society sides with a man. Not being able to express her traumas because she can't show no weakness. I think Meg took up the charge in the aftermath of both Breonna Taylor being killed and her own encounter with violence to say, I am not going to be silent. Then on October 8th, LA County's district attorney announced they were charging lanes with felony assault and carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle. They later added discharging a firearm with gross negligence. He pleaded not guilty. Megan's debut studio album, Good News, dropped the next month. On it, she seemed to respond directly to Lanes on her lead track, Shots Fired. Even celebrities that were not involved jumped into the fray. In 2022, rapper 50 Cent shared a meme comparing Megan to Jesse Smollett, writing, I'm confused, all this going around. I don't know what to think. LOL. He later deleted the post and apologized. And that wasn't the end. Drake dropped the song Circle Loco with 21 Savage. While many, including Megan, viewed this as a knock on her, some Drake fans claimed it was a double entendre and said the line was about plastic surgery. 
Impact reached out to Drake. His team declined to comment. In November, Megan tweeted, Stop using my shooting for clout. Adding, Since when is it cool to joke about women getting shot? I've been shocked by both the lack of and where support came from for Meg the Stallion as a result of what happened to her. So initially when she shot, there was this outpouring. You saw flowers delivered to her from Rihanna. You saw Beyonce writing her a note, Cardi B's um, supporting her. You saw Houston rappers who really came hard for Tory for harming her, like Bun B. Fuck Tory Lanez, okay? And I don't care if this go viral. We love Megan Hill. We brag about Megan. Everybody want to talk about that. Nobody's saying nothing when she gets shot. No, we got memes. We got jokes. We got all that shit. Bun B has been a staple in Megan's hometown of Houston and on national radio waves for decades with his hits like Get And his half-legendary group UGK, who penned the classic International Players Anthem. And he's been a mentor to Megan since she was just a local upstart. Impact's Megan Wright headed to Texas to talk to Vaughn. Vaughn, it's so great to see you. Likewise. Good to see you back here in Houston. Do you remember the first time you heard music from Megan Thee Stallion? My wife brought it to my attention, and I remember her being like, Bun, you got to hear this girl. And so when she started playing it for me, I was like, well, for one, this girl can actually really rap, you know what I'm saying? And um, just to watch that grow, not just in the city, but seeing everyone be receptive to it, it was really dope to see. It seems like in our community, and I say our community because it's a DJ and it's a part of the the hip-hop community, you know, as well, you know, it seems like it can be large, but it's very small. Right? You don't need six degrees to touch somebody in hip-hop. A hundred percent. You know, I've known Tori for quite some time. I haven't spoken to him uh, since prior to the, the incident. But we're label mates at Interscope. We've done songs together. I had the pleasure of bringing out Megan at Summer Jam one year when she had, I think it was the first single that she did. I think it's fair to say that nobody really saw what was to happen next. We watched Megan put these, these amazing songs out, get these amazing campaigns, and then one morning we wake up and we see that she's in the news because she's been shot. In Houston um, and hip-hop culture as well, I am regarded as an OG. And one of the things I take very serious is mentorship with the next generation of artists. Uh, Megan was no exception. I'm always trying to make sure I'm giving them the right kind of game and the right kind of information to navigate situations that they could find themselves in. There was no way I could have given her any kind of game to prepare her for a situation like that. All you can do is really be supportive. And plus, we were absolutely living in a time where black women's lives mattered. This is what democracy looks like! We were seeing black women being abused, black women being shot and even killed in this world. To see that type of aggression against a black woman in hip-hop culture, I just had to say something. I just felt compelled. Why did you feel so compelled to speak up in a public way when a lot of people weren't including people in hip-hop and including artists? Unfortunately, we live in a time where 
the idea of protecting a black woman in this world is not the norm. But to see it in hip hop culture over the years has become more and more disturbing. And as an elder in hip hop, I know when there's a right time to say something and I know the right thing to say. So as an OG in Houston, I'm standing up. Tory Lane did some whole ass shit, period. My final question to you is if you listen to maybe some of your previous music and your previous lyrics, what do you think to somebody that might say, how can he have an opinion on this, but then say, then have said this before or then, or then have, you know, had these comments in the past? There was a time when I thought everything in this world was black and white. And I see more gray now, not just on me, but in this world than ever before. Now, being black in America, that hasn't changed, right? But the way I've seen myself as being black in America has exactly changed. And I want to make sure that as I grow and evolve as a black man, that other people that take my lead in this world know that they, too, are growing and evolving. And you don't have to be who you were. The criticism Megan was facing went way beyond just the shooting, stretching to her sexuality and to her alleged relationship with Lane's. Megan the Stallion. They were seen together in an Instagram Live video earlier in 2020. Our sexuality is seen as something that's worthy of being demonized, that's worthy of being vilified, and as a mitigating factor in what could have occurred. So her sexual history was being put on trial, whether she was a good enough victim for us to rally behind. At first, Megan denied the relationship with Flames. Trauma can interfere with the ability of survivors to give an accurate, linear account of the abuse. Problems with memory, repression, denial, minimization, those are symptoms of trauma. After years of speculation and rumors, the trial only lasted 11 days. Prosecutors showed a text message Lane sent to Megan saying, I know you're probably never going to talk to me again, but I genuinely want you to know I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. And played a jailhouse call he made to Kelsey Harris, who was also in the car that night where he told her, I was so drunk, didn't know what was going on. They showed that Harris, after the shooting, sent a text message to Megan's security guard, reading, Help, Tori shot Meg, 911. And they played an 80-minute-long interview she gave to police, where she indicated Lanes was the shooter. But Harris refused to say she sent the text, and walked back her statements from that earlier interview. At the same time, misinformation continued to spread online in favor of Lane's. She testified at the trial that part of the reason why she didn't want to talk about this at first when it happened was exactly what ended up happening. She was concerned about essentially being skewered in the press and online. And that's exactly what happened. Meg's victimization is coming up against two very real histories. There is a in glorious history of black men being falsely accused of violence and black men being mistreated in the criminal legal system. That is an indisputable history and one that continues to this day. She's also contending with a history in which black women are never seen as victims. And so those two histories were coming together in this trial that yes, the criminal legal system has been terrible to black men in this country. 
It's also been terrible to Black women and does not see Black women as victims. For her part, Megan eventually admitted in court that she had been in a non-exclusive relationship with Lanes, which defense attorneys used in an attempt to break down Megan's credibility. It's very common for survivors on the stand talking about the abuse to be subjected to a barrage of questions that may be completely irrelevant about their sexual histories. There were no cameras in that courtroom, but I was there that day when her voice cracked and she said, I wish he would have just shot and killed me. If I knew I was going to have to go through this torture, this has messed up my whole life. I don't even want to be on this earth no more. The prosecutor asked her at, at one time kind of how she felt after the surgery, and she said, I felt very alone. To wake up after surgery, you know, by herself, and then to have to go through people questioning her motives and her, you know, past, um, to me, that's just devastating and not something that she or anyone should be put through. But Megan's fans have supported her throughout. Online, they tweeted in her defense, one writing, I personally don't care if Megan slept with the entire city of Houston. Why was she shot? Stay strong, Megan. Thank you. Meg, how do you feel? At the trial, some even showed up in person. We're here to stand with Megan. I think that made an enormous difference. Supporters of survivors of domestic violence and other forms of gender-based violence really need to mobilize now more than ever. One of those supporters was Jackie Murillo. When we got there, it was sad to see her conflicted and sad, and then how the men around there had no regard. Um, even the paparazzi, they bombarded her and that kind of moved us out the way. For Jackie, Megan's case is personal. She works with the Young Women's Freedom Center, which helps those who've been impacted by incarceration and violence. It's something she's experienced firsthand. I was in a domestic violence relationship. It was mutual, you could say, because I didn't know how to hurt with words. Jackie says one day during this relationship, a neighbor called the police. You were both arrested on that scene. What was going through your mind at that moment when those cops were going? Right on? before they put me in a cop car, I was scared to, um, to tell them everything. I was on parole. I'm a, like, what's gonna happen, right? I have a history and I'm Hispanic and I come from where I come from and they're the police. She is not alone in worrying that the police wouldn't believe her. The ACLU put out a study in 2015 that showed 88% of survivors said that police sometimes or often did not believe them or blame them for the violence. A 2021 study done by the National Domestic Abuse Hotline also found that of those who called the police to help them in an abusive situation, 39% felt less safe after they called. When I read Megan Stanley's story, that's how I felt. Like, she had two stories. Like, who wants to speak up when they're scared? And the system's not the answer because it's always failing us. There's so many threads that tie in to the Megan trial. Right? Mm. What brought you there? Hmm. Generationally, black and brown women are always questioned and requestioned, and they're never believed. It's because she's a black woman. 
that is being tarnished and spoken so bad about, about her own truth. You really see yourself in Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Others in her group also identified with Megan and felt they needed to be outside the courthouse to support her. We can connect with her on many different levels. One, I could just say my skin color. Me being tall, I, I can relate to her like that. She looked like me and everything. She talked like me, she goes to school, like she has goals and stuff going and what she stands for outside of her music. That's why I went. Even like as a survivor of like domestic violence, there have been like many times in my life when I've experienced a great deal of trauma and I did not call the police because I thought they would do something worse. I thought it would be worse if they showed up in like a house full of black people. I mean, I think about that picture a lot of her getting out of the car, like, she was bleeding. Bleeding with her hands in the air and being really terrified of like saying what happened. Not just because of the fear that like, what's gonna happen to Tori and the other people in the car, but like fear for her own safety. And that is a real thing. Oftentimes the legal system will have victims of violence testify in court. I would say as a woman of color that I do not think most people would feel safe or even feel like they have reached some type of accountability when they have to testify in court. While their experiences are different, they're unified in their feelings that incarceration is not a long-term solution. It felt incredibly important to support Megan and to make sure that she felt supported and felt heard and believed. And at the same time, I don't believe that the system is the answer for real and transformative justice. I think that there are no perfect victims of harm. And that like when people have experienced harm, they choose what is meaningful for them in terms of accountability. After just one day of deliberation. He's guilty on all three counts, all three counts. The jury found Lane's guilty on all three charges. He now faces over 22 years in prison and potential deportation. Tory Lanez's defense attorney at the time, George McDesson, told ABC News he will not be doing any interviews until after sentencing. In a phone interview on the day of the verdict, he said that Lanez and his team were very disappointed, shocked, and didn't expect it, and added, the fight is not over. I was surprised with the outcome of the trial because she was attacked both in the court and outside of the court so viciously. I breathed a sigh of relief. I think so many others supporting gender violence survivors did as well. I hope that if anything, this gave her some semblance of peace as she moves forward because she will continue to live with this trauma for years and years to come. I am proud of her for speaking up. She went hard for women probably not even knowing that she did that, because she kept going until the end. No matter if it broke her, she went to the end.